Our scripture today is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Let us hear the word of God. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside, and he saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. And at this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And so he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? And who is it you're looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. <laughs> and she told them that he had said these things to her. Do you notice how much running is in this scripture? <laughs> I mean, it's got sweat all over it. Everyone seems to be on an all-out sprint. And why this running? Of all places, the places the running is in a cemetery. I mean, we walk softly with reverence through cemeteries, don't we? What was it about this Easter morning story that sent people running in a cemetery? I mean, I see people running. I saw a lot of people out running yesterday. And some of us older folks, we run to keep our, our heart rate up and our waistline down. But we're not running out of much joy. I mean, if you were to see me running, you would think it was more Good Friday than it was Easter. I mean, pain just etched on my face. <laughs> it does not look like I'm having much fun. 
I see people run at work, running with many things to do, trying to accomplish an incredible amount of, in, in a short amount of time. I, I see parents in their SUVs and their minivans passing me on the road, delivering children to dance lessons or, or soccer practice or, or baseball sign-ups. I see some people running in fear that their past is going to catch up with them. And so they're on the go continually, afraid to stop, if only for a moment to catch their breath. But I don't see many people running out of sheer joy, except for children. They run everywhere, not because they're in a hurry, not because they're being chased, not because they are overbooked or overcommitted or late for an appointment, because they just love to run. I, I watched all my grandchildren run all over our yard yesterday hunting for Easter eggs. They just love to run. It's fun. So that's the spirit of this first Easter morning. Running for joy is some incredibly good news. Uh, this is a running that has light feet to it, feet that were wounded and scarred by all kinds of bad experiences in life, suddenly set free and running so this morning, I want to look at the three people whose stories are told in John 20 and see what happened to them that day that sent them running in a cemetery. And the first is the fastest runner. He's called the beloved disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. But his name is John, and he is the one who wrote our scripture he is one of the three who are, close, who are Jesus' closest friends, the other two being Peter and James. And in verse 4, Jesus, or John is in a foot race with Peter. And maybe because he is younger, he beats Peter to the tomb when he hears the news from Mary that the tomb is empty. And I love what he writes in verse 4. Both were running, but the other disciple, John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now, folks, John is in the middle of telling the greatest story ever told. He is writing one of the greatest pieces of literature in Western culture that will change millions of lives and inspire people to a whole new way of living. And it takes just a moment to say, by the way, I beat Peter in a foot race. I'm just a little bit faster than the old guy. John is quicker in more ways than just feet. He's also quicker of faith. When he arrived at the tomb, he looked in. He saw that it was empty. What does the Bible say? It says he believed. Isn't that incredible? He didn't have a lot of proof. Unlike doubting Thomas, he did not have to thrust his hand into Jesus' side or put his fingers in his holes. He didn't have to see Jesus eat or talk or, or see him suddenly disappear out of a room. He saw an empty tomb and he believed. John's kind of an ideal church member in that way. I wish everybody was like him. It didn't take much to nudge him to faith. No, he didn't run to the tomb thinking that Jesus was raised, but when he got there, it didn't take much. Jesus is alive. He was assured of it. My wife Melinda was like that. Her parents were faithful members of Grace Episcopal Church. When she was a baby, they, they brought her for holy baptism. Sunday morning worship and Sunday school was a part of 
the weekly rhythm of her family. She would no more uh, skip church than she would skip school or skip the dentist, by the way, which was her father, or skip breakfast. Each night before bed, she said her prayers. Of course she believed that Jesus was the Son of God, that he died on Good Friday and, and rose from the dead on Easter morning. Why wouldn't she? Of course. When she was 15, a friend invited her to a revival at her church. Uh, Melinda really had no idea what a real revival was, but she was happy to go and find out. And the preacher that night talked about how to turn a, a passive faith into an active faith. And he invited those present to completely surrender their life to Jesus and to receive his, his gift of forgiveness. The choice for her was clear. If this was the next step in her faith, well, she was ready to take it. The seed of faith found fertile soil in her heart that night. For she invited Christ to come in and take complete control. And she says, I was born again on that night. Perhaps some of you are like that. Didn't take much for you to believe in Jesus. Maybe you can't even remember a time when that you did not believe. Your parents uh, brought you to church a few weeks after you were born. They had you baptized as a baby. You learned about Jesus in Sunday school and vacation Bible school, and you believed it. It just seemed right. It felt natural. You did not struggle about your faith. And you got up this morning, and you put on your Easter shoes, and you said, well, of course he's risen. The Lord is risen indeed. And you do not understand why anybody would, would struggle about that because for you it's as easy as falling off a log. Well, make no mistake about it. Persons who believe like this are not simpletons. They're not naive. They're not crazy. They're not ignorant. They're fortunate. And they're blessed with the wonderful gift of a Simple and saving faith. But not everybody came to faith in that way. In fact, in all four Gospels, when the story of the empty tomb is told, the only person who came to faith upon witnessing the empty tomb was John. No one else did. Simon Peter, he walked in. He, he saw the empty tomb just like John saw, and he walked home scratching his head, thinking to himself, what happened? He didn't believe. He was stupefied. He was mystified. He had questions. He had doubts. He had concerns, even though he saw the exact same evidence that John saw. And maybe you're more like Peter than John. And you look around at all the people with fresh faces aglow with faith, and you're thinking, well, why don't I feel this way? And you have a lot of questions, and you have a lot of skepticism, a lot of things that you're not sure about. And you would like to believe like everybody else, but for some reason it just does not come easily. And you're thinking to yourself this morning, I, I hope Jesus rose from the dead. I, I hope there's a, a, an afterlife. I, I hope there's a place like heaven. But I'm not sure. I have my doubts. Peter was the same way. He was a man's man, and he lived in the world. He's a fisherman. He works long hours, and he knows all the dirty jokes, and he 
does some cursing on the side. And he's done both of them just recently to try to prove to people that he's no friend of Jesus. And now he's consumed with guilt and, and with brokenness and the darkness of his own life. And although he ran to the tomb, hopeful maybe, he also knows that when you're dead, you're dead. And that's it. And it was dreadful and it was terrible what happened to Jesus. More dreadful because he denied knowing him. And he could have done something maybe and stopped it, but he didn't. And that made it worse. And so something in Simon Peter died on that Good Friday. And you got up this morning and you put on uncomfortable Easter shoes because you're not sure. I mean, you're here, but you find believing a struggle, even painful. And you're not sure that beyond death there's anything else for you or for Jesus or anybody else because when you die, well, that's it. And that's the one thing you know for certain. And if you feel that way today, I want to encourage you. I want you to know that Jesus loves the Peters of this world. It's interesting in Mark's account of the resurrection, the angel tells Mary, go back and tell the disciples that he's gone before you and Peter. <laughs> Tell Peter especially. You see, Peter probably believed that he, his name had been dropped off of God's invitation list for good reason. But when Peter saw Jesus again alive, Jesus didn't upbraid him. He didn't say, well, I told you so, Peter, or, or I knew you would fail me, but Peter, I, I love you. And I came back from the dead to tell you that your failure is not the end. That you cannot run away. You cannot accumulate enough curses. You cannot uh, amass enough bad things or denials that can make you out of reach of my love. And if death cannot stop me, Peter, you can be sure that there's nothing you can do. That you cannot get far enough away from me that I can't reach you. And so Peter walked away that morning, that first Easter morning, not a believer. Martha grew up in church, like my wife. And if you would have asked her if she was a Christian, she would have said, well, of course. But if you had looked at her life, you would have seen little evidence. The truth is, she had no desire to be one of those goody-goody Christians. In fact, she would even mock people who were. And yet, she found her life falling apart. But then two very important people in her life became followers of Jesus and it blew her away, her, her best friend and her older brother. And she thought they were both just a little crazy. In fact, she called them Jesus freaks. And she was very skeptical of their newfound faith. But she watched their lives over the years and she began to see how genuine their faith really was. And she began to see that their faith had, had made a difference in their lives and she began to want that in her own life. And then a new woman came to work in the office where, where Martha worked and she also had a deep faith. And when Martha learned that she attended a, a weekly Bible study, she decided, well, why not? I'm going to try it too. And she signed up. And it was in that Bible study that she learned just who Jesus truly was and what he had done for her on the cross. And she gave her life to Christ and became one of those crazy Christian Jesus freaks. Some years later, 
Her brother and his entire family were killed when their private plane crashed in a snowstorm on Good Friday. And it shook Martha's faith to the core. I mean, how could God allow such a terrible tragedy to occur? And for months, she struggled. She found it impossible to pray. Nothing eased the pain until one day somebody suggested that she read the book of Job. And in that, she found a man who lost everything and yet refused to give up on God. And Martha reclaimed her faith. And today, she is one of our most gifted Bible teachers in this church. Maybe like Martha, you, you would call yourself a Christian. Perhaps you've been a part of this church all of your life, but, but you struggle too with skepticism, with doubt. I, I was the same way. It, it took me two years after I first heard the gospel and a lot of struggle and a lot of sinning before I came to believe, but it finally came. And so to those of you who are struggling this morning, don't give up. Keep coming to worship, keep studying, keep reading the Bible, keep asking those hard questions. Don't hide your doubts. Be honest about them. Be honest about them with God. Be honest about them with others. Because the Peters of this world are welcomed here. Well, the final face in this first Easter is a woman, Mary of Magdala. A woman from whom the Bible tells us seven demons were cast out. Imagine that. Imagine what it was like to see this woman released from the shackles of evil that had oppressed her and held her down for so long. That must have been something to see. But we learn that Mary ministered to Jesus that she followed him, that she helped to support him, that she was there at the cross, that she was there when he died, that she was there when they took him down from the cross, that she was there when they laid him in the tomb. And when she went to the tomb that morning, she did not go expecting to witness a, a resurrection. She did not go to expecting to hear an Easter a sermon. In fact, she went with a bag full of spices to anoint her, his body for burial. And she also came with a bag full of grief, weeping so hard she could not recognize Jesus standing right in front of her alive. And grief will do that. Grief will blind us to the very presence of God in our life. Rob had a good life. Family, two kids good job as an engineer for a tech firm. And then one day his daughter Charlotte became sick with the flu, which at first didn't seem alarming, but she took a turn for the worse, and suddenly she was in the hospital fighting for her life. And then the unimaginable happened. Every parent's worst nightmare. And it devastated the family. For Rob, the emotions he felt were overwhelming. And at the core of all these emotions, Rob said, was simply pure hate with no recognizable target. And he'd go from one, mom one moment feeling pure hate to the next moment feeling totally numb. Spiritually, he was a mess. He had gone to church some growing up and, 
and he believed in the existence of a divine power. He wasn't sure what it was or what to even call it. But now all he had were hard questions. Like, why? Why, God? What did I do to you? What did I do to others to deserve this? How can you be a a loving God and yet punish this innocent child with such suffering? And no matter how hard he, he tried to find answers to these questions, nothing helped. He even turned to the scriptures, but it just seemed overwhelming and too confusing. Then one Sunday morning, he walked into our church right through those doors simply because it was the church that was closest to his home. And he knew immediately that this is the place where he was going to find some answers. Has that ever happened to you? Walk into a church and suddenly you know this is where I'm supposed to be. And he started asking questions and Pastor Mark and I, we got a lot of those questions, hard questions, no easy answers. And the grief made it hard. It kept a consistent drumbeat of doubt going on in his mind. Can God be trusted? Can the scriptures be trusted? But he kept asking the questions. And that September, he, he joined Mark's disciple Bible study. And, and he said what helped him the most was studying the Bible with a group of friends, with people who compassionately listened to his hard and difficult questions and would not give up on him no matter what. And slowly he began to heal. Slowly but surely, Rob began to grow in his faith. And today he is an active part of our congregation. Maybe today you're dealing with grief. And you got up this morning, but you put on your black funeral shoes to come. And all this celebration, all these happy smiles, and all these hallelujahs is hard for you. Because you carry a heavy burden. And maybe somebody precious has died and you're overwhelmed by that pain. Maybe it was your marriage that died or maybe it was your job or maybe your health or your dream. Your dream has died. And you're grieving the loss of something very special this morning. And grief can blur your vision and it can coat your heart. And it makes it hard to be happy about life. And even though the sun was up according to the other Gospels, this Gospel says, John writes, that when Mary came, it was dark inside of her. That her grief is a shade over her face. And so even when she sees Jesus alive, she simply thinks that it's the gardener of the cemetery. Until he calls her name, Mary. And it changes everything. So here's the good news today. Jesus knows your name, and he knows my name, and he knows what it takes to unlock who you are and to release it so you can be free from your grief, and you can see the resurrected Lord standing right before you. And he may feel to you like today, he may feel like he is far, far away, but he is closer in your heartbeat. Well, the people in this Easter story, they start off running, and they end up running. And Mary runs back to the other disciples, and she says, you won't believe this, but I have seen the Lord. 
And my friends, I want to tell you today that I stand before you today and I have seen the Lord. John, Mary, Peter, I've seen the Lord and he's alive. And this message will send you running too, whether you believe easily, whether you are full of doubt today or whether you are full of grief. But Jesus has risen from the dead. And that truth has changed Melinda and Martha and Rob, and it changed my life and the life of many people in this room today. And it can change your life as well. You can leave here today a different person. And if you want that, pray with me. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God that you died on the cross to rescue me from sin and from death and to restore me to God the Father. And so today, right now, I choose to turn from my sins. I choose to turn from my self-centeredness in every part of my life that does not please you. And I choose you. I give myself to you freely. I receive your forgiveness. And I ask you to take your rightful place on the throne of my life as my Savior and Lord. So come and reign in my heart. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your life. And help me to become the person who is truly loving. A person just like you. Restore me, Jesus. Live in me. And love through me, I pray. Amen.